This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The enforcement of social distancing rules has been stepped out. In Toronto, there were 324 complaints to the 311 line and 26 tickets were issued, some of them with very steep fines. A lot of the offenses related to people walking their dogs in off-leash parks that are now off-limits. And according to Police Chief Mark Saunders, his force has been conducting a ticketing blitz this week with one. 160 officers on it, and the fines could be up to $1,000. In Brampton, 18 people got $880 tickets over the weekend in two separate incidents by playing cricket. Critics say these measures and these fines infringe on our civil rights. Um, like to hear from you, your thoughts. Did you get a ticket? Uh, tell us about it if you did. 416-360-0740, toll-free one 866-744-740. And now let's go to Toronto Police spokesperson, Megan Gray. Hello, Megan. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, were my numbers on the uh, number of complaints and tickets in Toronto up to date? Well, those tickets, I believe, were issued by the Municipal Licensing and Standards Bylaw Officers. They're the ones we've been working with quite closely uh, closely over the last couple of weeks on uh, these enforcement initiatives. Uh, I can tell you over the last week, so between April 11th and 14th, uh, the Toronto Police Service officers have issued 65 tickets and 765 cautions for uh, various issues of non-compliance uh, across the city. And is there a difference between the tickets that your officers issue and uh, that the bylaw officers issue? No, there's no difference. The bylaw officers have been given the authority to uh, write those same tickets over this enforcement time. Uh, we've just been partnering with them to do that type of enforcement uh, in different areas across the city. And have you picked out hotspots? We do. We've had uh, 10 parks that we've identified as hotspots that we've been paying special attention to. Uh, some of the bigger places like Christie Pitts or High Park, uh, Bluffers Park and Trinity Bellwoods, those are our, all places where we're still seeing uh, a high number of, of non-compliance issues, uh, large people, large groups of people gathering, uh, using the amenities that have now been uh, put um, on the list of, of places that are we're unable to use, uh, and as well as just the overall social distancing measures that have been put in place by public health. Um, so uh, I'd like to point out something that uh, is very worrisome for us here in Liberty Village, uh, as you know. So first of all, we have we have a police station down the street. We've got mounted cops who come through here all the time on their horses. We also have a shelter down the street, and every time our staffers happen to pass it, there are large groups congregating there. There does not seem to be any enforcement of that. And on the other hand, you know, you have people getting a $1,000 fine for walking their dog in the wrong place. I know some of our, our downtown divisions uh, are experiencing similar complaints from people where we are 
uh, noticing groups of people congregating, uh, whether those people are experiencing homelessness or whether there are addiction issues at play. Uh, the downtown divisions has been targeting patrols in some of those areas uh, in an effort to discourage uh, congregating and trying to make sure that those folks uh, get the type of support services that they need. Uh, so we are looking at various types of enforcement, not just uh, in the parks, as you said, with uh, people using the amenities or using the off-leash dog areas, uh, but as well the downtown streets where people are congregating. Uh, and as well, we're still keeping an eye on uh, businesses that remain open even though they fall under the non-essential closure list. Um, yeah, but back to that, are are those people, I mean, when there are other issues, are they getting tickets? How are you enforcing? Because uh, uh, for those of us who are essential workers and who have to pass those, it doesn't, it doesn't look like there is enforcement. Well, I mean, there is enforcement, but writing tickets is not the only option available to us. So uh, we, ha- we have issued cautions. We are able to uh, encourage people to move along and to uh, practice social distancing and to get the services that they need. So uh, there are some tickets that are being written. And in other cases, uh, I know and for some of our downtown divisions, uh, they're quite familiar with a number of those uh, people who are congregating in those areas. So those relationships have already been built and, and they're trying to, instead of writing tickets, trying to do their best to encourage those people to move along. So we have a number of options available where uh, officers have the discretion to uh, pick whatever option is most appropriate and that's what they're doing in various circumstances. Now, is, is does the enforcement, I mean, you mentioned um, those uh, hotspots uh, where I guess you're, you're patrolling independent of 311. Um, how much is dependent on 311 calls? Because uh, it's very difficult to get through to 311. Yep. 311 has uh, has uh, stepped up their capacity to take calls. Obviously, they've seen a dramatic increase in the number of calls coming forward. That's where we're encouraging people to uh, issue their complaints for any issues that they see with non-compliance. And then it's uh, that information along with the information that we get from our officers on patrols that feed into uh, that analysis of those hotspots. So it's both complaint-based, it's based on the observations of the officers who are doing those patrols, uh, and that's where we're uh, trying to focus our resources. Uh, another question, I, I there was uh, one issue of a, a ticket, and uh, I actually heard the mayor recommend to this person that she fight the ticket. So is there going to be that option for people who get one of these, uh, you know, rather hefty fines? Are they going to be able to fight those tickets uh, the way you would fight another kind of a ticket? Yes, absolutely. Those tickets are no different than any other ticket that gets issued uh, during non-pandemic times. So if anybody feels like the ticket's been issued inappropriately or uh, if they were in compliance and the officer disagreed, then absolutely they can take that ticket uh, to the court process and, and fight it if they if they choose to do so. Um, I'm sure you uh, you have an idea of exactly how completely backed up the whole court process is right now with with much more serious things. Um, But I guess uh, people will be given time to do that. Yes, my understanding is that there are uh, future dates that have been 
uh, set aside. So obviously there's changes in the court process, like you mentioned, uh, to accommodate uh, the urgent issues that we're facing now, as well as uh, to hear those tickets at a future date. So there will be that opportunity. And is there a is there a time like on some of the tickets you have a, a week or however long to to pay the fine? And if not, it 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 gets bigger. Is 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 there that kind of time period on it? Uh, I actually don't have that uh, detail, but uh, again, I would just encourage anyone to uh, look on the back of the ticket where those options are laid out, and if they choose to uh, fight the fight the ticket, they they can't do that. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, 160 officers on this. How long uh, are they going to be on this blitz? Uh, so the enforcement blitz that started last week has actually been extended to further until further notice. Uh, so those officers that come from uh, not just our primary response frontline officers, but we have uh, redeployed, as you mentioned, officers from our mounted unit. Uh, our marine unit is assisting with some of those parks uh, that have uh, lakefront uh, boundaries to them, uh, as well as our community response and our neighborhood officers. Uh, we have pulled together all of those resources to do that enforcement, and it'll carry on until further notice. Um, so, you know, what about other things? I mean, I guess uh, uh, some crime is is down, and certainly uh, parking types of offenses and traffic offenses are down. Um, so, um, is is that the case that you're able to deploy those officers because other types of issues are not happening? Yeah, we've actually had no change to our frontline operations uh, during this time. Uh, so, we still have officers who are responding to the same number of calls. Uh, as they were before. Uh, what we are seeing is a decrease in our call volume. Uh, and we think that's partly attributed to just the uh, overall number of people that are out and about on our streets. So uh, previous to all of the social distancing and self-isolation me- measures, if there was uh, an assault that took place on a street corner, uh, obviously there were, would be dozens of people around who would all potentially call into the police service for that same call. Now we're not seeing that many calls come in for one incident. It may just be one or two calls. So we're still responding to the same number of calls uh, for service. Our officers have been able to uh, respond to calls and and conduct their investigations as they normally would. Uh, And we've been able to uh, reassign officers to these more uh, directed patrols, not just from the enforcement in the parks perspective, but we've also started some targeted enforcement uh, in areas where businesses have done the responsible thing by closing under the government directives and business owners are perhaps uh, concerned that their empty locations are now susceptible to break and enters or vandalism or other types of crime. So we're also targeting our resources in those areas uh, in an effort to reassure those business owners and detect and deter that crime before it happens. And have there been incidents of vandalism or, or theft like that? We have had uh, some commercial break-and-enters that have taken place, and uh, we're working with uh, business owners to investigate uh, those cases. Uh, We have also issued uh, some information on our website and through each of our local divisions uh, geared towards business owners of steps that they can take to uh, secure their properties, uh, whether that's 
ensuring that they have surveillance video and that surveillance video is working, that there are signs posted to indicate the place is under video surveillance, uh, making sure that there are no valuables left in those locations. Uh, those are all things that we can offer as support to business owners who want to secure their facilities and, and make them less susceptible to any of that crime. Mm-hmm. We've, we've also heard anecdotally uh, that there is an increase in, in domestic violence uh, as a result of people being cooped up at home. Um, is there anything you can tell us about that? Yeah, our crime statistics actually don't support that uh, information. Uh, over the last few weeks, the occurrences for domestic violence uh, have been on the decline. Uh, that being said, we know that our community partners have uh, expressed concern over being able to provide uh, services in the way that they normally can uh, now that self-isolation and social distancing practices are in place. Uh, so we've put a number of resources, again, available on our website uh, for any person who finds themselves in that type of situation and uh, in an effort to try and connect them with those community resources. So in terms of a, a shelter, so the shelters uh, can now accommodate fewer people, right? I don't know exactly what uh, the shelters have put in place. I know that uh, they've all been trying to adjust their uh, service uh, delivery system to accommodate those social distancing and self-isolation measures. Uh, I know that they are uh, keenly uh, aware of uh, some of the vulnerabilities that might be in place. And uh, I know that everyone's trying to do the best they can to make sure that the people who really need those services are are being given access to them. Okay, so what is the message you want to give to people who are thinking that, you know, it's it's not a big deal if I sit on a park bench or, or you know, take my dog wherever? Um, what's your message to those people? Uh, the public health officials have been quite clear in their directives on what everybody needs to do and all the responsibilities that people need to take uh, to ensure the flattening of the curve when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, and we need to all do our part. So when we're looking at going out to parks, uh, again, the directive has has not been to, uh, you know, not to go out and get exercise, but you don't need to be congregating in groups of people. You don't need to be uh, going out and engaging in group sports like we've seen. Uh, you really need to be social distancing yourself from other people. Uh, you need to be only going out with members of your family and those who live in your home. Uh, we really all need to be doing what we can to uh, flatten that curve. And, um, you know, you may not be worried about your own health and safety, but I think it's important to realize that we all have a role to play in ensuring the health and safety of the community at large. So, uh, you know, while you may feel like there's no way you're going to get sick or you don't know anybody who's going to get sick, you don't know how that may impact somebody else. So I really think that we all need to continue uh, doing what we've been doing. I know for all the tickets we've written, we actually have seen some very good compliance um, by both businesses and individuals, and we would just encourage people to keep doing that. Okay, a final question. Do all these rules apply to private property as well as public property? Because uh, we have a number of roads in the city that are private property. Uh, do, do the same rules apply? I, um, I guess I don't really quite understand the question can well, you clarify for me? Well, there there are there are places in the city that are uh, park like, say, and are considered private, uh, but people walk through. Uh, so, would the same rules apply? 
I actually don't know if that's the case or not. I mean, I know that uh, the uh, rules for engaging with people in your own home uh, are different than when you're going out uh, into public. I know that even the bylaws that exist now uh, for those public parks um, doesn't include the incidental passing of people. Uh, so I would just, as a, as a caution, um, think of those types of bylaws and directives that have been put into a place and apply them anywhere. As I said, I think the practice of good social distancing uh, can apply anywhere and certainly um, addresses some of the concerns that have been expressed by public health officials in our effort to combat this disease. Okay. Thank you so much, Megan Gray, Toronto Police Spokesperson. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.